Internet, hello, it's me. And Seth Erie says that now all the time. And it's, <laughs> it's really funny. We need to capture Hello, It's Me, sung by Seth Erie. But, Andy, we're going to start today. Uh, this is episode 14, uh, which is um, uh, in Spanish. What's 14? Catorce. Exactly what I was going to say. So it's Catorce. And um, I just opened up on my, my browser. The biggest wastes of time we regret when we get older. Now, Andy is approaching his mid-30s, and this is for him. So mm-hmm. here's some things. Okay. And I can, I can attest to these. First one, uh, people regret not asking for help. Yeah. Okay, so if yep. you're lost, stop and ask for directions. Okay, second thing. Uh, trying to make bad relationships work. So this is things you regret when you get older. So, yes. So not okay. Yeah. Yep. I understand. So, so Andy, this is our last podcast together. Um, thirdly, dwelling on your mistakes and uh, shortcomings. Right. So it's a waste of time to do that. Oh, that's fine. I don't make mistakes. Yep. Exactly. And I don't have shortcomings. Worrying too much about other people, Andy. Well, what do you think about me when I say that? Uh, I was just thinking about myself, okay, so good. I just I didn't notice. So, um, so there you go. Any, any, uh, I, I waste. I, I regret all the time I change diapers. I regret that. <laughs> I, well, I, what would be the alternative I, in I that regret, situation? I regret uh, all of the time I spend um, listening to my wife tell me about how I don't clean enough. I, I don't like that, you know, because 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 I don't want to regret cleaning so much. You know what I'm saying? That I regret cleaning so much when I'm older. So I'm trying to anticipate that one. Okay, so you'll have a bigger appreciation for cleaning up after yourself when you're older by no, not doing no, it as no. much I now? No, no, no. I will have no regret. I, I, I am avoiding the regret of having spent so much time cleaning. Because what's the point? I mean, we have three kids. What, what's the point of cleaning? Tell me. That's a fantastic point. Yep. So, uh, and and I'm I right now, here and now, Am uh, I'm, I've decided I'm going to regret because I'm I'm approaching uh, my 60s. I am going to regret uh, every moment that I heard an Adele song for even just the smallest snippet. And every regret we talked about hockey. So, or every moment we talked about hockey. So, um, today, Andy, uh, we're going to jump out of Jesus and politics, which I know. I know our audience will be horribly disappointed that we don't have more Jesus in politics, although. Evidently, if you talk about the rapture, lots of people are interested. Yeah, so, they so were. evidently, you know, we, we got to do something on Revelation, or uh, as my friends who don't know the Bible call it, Revelations. Um, so at some point, I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I'm also I'm also fun. working on something on spiritual abuse, um, and uh, and uh, I think that'll be fun. Yeah, and then and then one idea I've got is there. There's a course called the Alpha Course. Yes. And, and so I want to write, and it's about an introduction to Christianity. I want to write an Omega course, yeah. which is kind of the leaving yeah. of, of Christianity to find Jesus. Love it. Come on. But those are, who knows when those will happen. Now, but today I want to talk about something that we're going to, we're going to need to meander a little bit, Andy, to get to this. And if you hear random noises, um, my wife is having our house cleaned. We don't normally employ cleaners because my wife is yelling at me to do that she's also so good at it she just, well 
but but she asked for help. She asked for help That's because it. we're having we're we're hosting a whole bunch of people over to talk about Vox, the Vox community, which is very cool and sign up. And if you've da 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 da, uh, if you haven't heard about that, sign up on uh, voxoc.com. But um, so if you hear random noises, it's not my stomach. Um, somebody told me though, I was at a wedding. I did a wedding for one of my police officers, and they told me they could hear the rain. When we did the El Nino episode, they could hear yeah, the could. rain through the window, yeah, which I love. So, so it's not the rain today; is beautifully seventy. Um, but anyway, that's so. So that's if you hear any ambient cleaning noises, it's not me, for sure. Uh, but I just want to let you know about that. All right, so you're not thrown off, Andy, because you get a little jittery in here when I'm only in my boxers. Now, that's right. So I, I need about ten minutes to kind of wind into this topic, Andy. So so start your timer. I need about 10 minutes. No, don't really. He's literally starting his timer. What are you doing? Is that better? Can you hear me better? Can you hear me now? So I need about 10 minutes, Andy, to work my way into this. Now, in one of the early episodes, I don't remember which one, uh, we talked about the difference between uh, good judgment in the Bible and bad judgment in the Bible. And and there's a verse uh, that is particularly quoted these days. In uh, in Luke, I think it's chapter six. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, you will not be condemned. And then Jesus talks about log, and there, you know, when you're when you when you want to um, uh, talk to somebody about their stuff, you should consider yours a plank and theirs a speck, and remove the log out of your own eye before you deal with the speck of someone else. So it's really it's really powerful teaching. And if you remember, the word judge here is the word crino, and it means to separate or categorize. And, um, and, and so we get the word critic from the word crino. It's the separation, uh, of things. Now there, there is a good judgment that's affirmed and there is a bad judgment that is disallowed. Jesus is obviously disallowing the bad judgment. And and here's the difference we talked about that, that Jesus here is, is condemning the judgment that leads to condemnation. So he's using parallelism. He says, uh, do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, you will not be condemned. So judge and condemn, he's using in the same sense. So he's speaking of the judgment that condemns. And one way to think about the difference between appropriate judgment and and, and uh, unappropriate judgment, inappropriate judgment, unappropriate. <laughs> unappropriate judgment. Inappropriate judgment is, is that um, in, inappropriate judgment separates people into sheep, into goats, into good, into bad, into uh, saved, into unsaved, into, you know, whatever categories you want to use. Um, whereas the the kind of discernment, which is the word I'm going to use for the good judgment, discernment separates things. So this behavior is helpful or not helpful. This this These words you said were edifying or not edifying. This thing you were watching was helpful or not helpful. I mean, you're separating things. The the bad judgment that Jesus is, is talking about is the judgment that just comes really natural to us. It's the judgment that goes from observing someone on the outside, not knowing their insides, and making a judgment, though, about their insides. So it's the, you, you see someone who's homeless and you immediately think slacker. You see someone, you know, that, that looks uh, a little off and you're thinking, you know, drug addict or whatever it is. You're, you're, you're Mohawks, hearing, piercings, tattoos. Yes. You're, yeah. You see you see some small man with long hair yeah. and you think kind of rock star. Uh, but you don't have long hair anymore. Although you, you posted a pic of long hair, which I love. Uh, put that put that picture on, would you? The sure. mullet. Yep. The mullet pic. You got it. I love that. Now, um, uh, so so that sort of you, you move from the outside to the inside of another person. That's what's being 
uh, condemned here because that move puts you over somebody in ways that are inappropriate because the, the irony of judgment, of course, is that, that it's always self-serving. So I'm never going to come out looking bad when I'm doing that kind of condemnation, you know, judgment. And so because this person dresses like this, she must be a whatever. Or he, uh, you know, uh, is always walking around with his shirt off, so he must be a... And we just do this all the time to people. There's the kid crying, so they must be a bad parent. The whole thing. So, So Jesus rules this out. And we talked a lot about the fact that, you know, this is really the natural kind of human orientation to each other. Um, and could have been really the temptation that was represented by this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the ability to make judgments that's reserved for God. We want it for ourselves. And so uh, even today, uh, Christians are, are most known for their judgment, not for their grace. So that's all review. There is a good kind of, of judgment that I'm going to call discernment. And, and that's not the separation of people. That's the separation of, of behaviors or, or um, of speech or uh, of actions or practices or habits or whatever. And uh, the New Testament is full of exhortations uh, to do this among the community of believers. And so uh, you have an example like in the book of Hebrews where it says... Um, He says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you elementary truths of God's word all over again. Um, And he uses the example of milk versus solid food. He says, anyone who lives on milk, which is kind of light teaching, being an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And so there's this distinguishing that the author of Hebrews calls us to, and Jesus does too, and Paul does too. It's all over the place, where it's different than the judgment that condemns, but it's the distinguishing of things, of actions, behaviors, whatever, that uh, are helpful or unhelpful. That's funny. Is that going to come up? Oh, yeah. That's, Can you hear it? Yeah, that one's on there strong. That's the tub. I think that's the bathtub right there. <laughs> we have a bathtub. I've never taken a bath in that bathtub. It may have never been cleaned before. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not oh, sure. Gross. Okay. I'm not sure. So I'm affirming. So we got to call this the house cleaning episode. This, okay. is, this is so awesome. So, okay. so the author of Hebrews says, listen, listen, listen. Um, one of the ways you distinguish maturity from immaturity. And again, it's not a condemnation um, uh, in the Christian life is that mature people learn to distinguish good from evil. Okay, great. They're separating things. They're not separating people. And the really important point is that even this separation is to be kept in the community of faith. So who are the people that we are to kind of practice these discernments with? Well, Peter, the judgment begins with the house of God. Paul talks about not judging those outside the church. I judge those inside, right? Jesus talks about in the community of faith, someone sins against you, you go uh, and approach them. There's this sense in which this kind of good discernment is to be practiced in the community of faith first. Secondly, among people who are committed to each other and among people who do life together. And so in the New Testament, um, the, the church met in houses. And so, you know, if it's 20 or 30 people in the book of Acts, we read that they were meeting in homes every day. You know, there's a familiarity with each other. It's not, you're not just walking up to somebody or emailing them from afar saying, Hey, I've got this issue with you. This is, these are, these are people who are on the inside of your life. And, and so there's a sense in which, 
even when this kind of discernment is to be practiced, it's among the community of disciples, but among the disciples that you personally know and have almost permission to engage with in this way. Now, there are times when you don't need the permission. That's a different podcast. But I want to talk about this discernment that we do because one of the areas Christians really disagree with how to engage culture is how do you discern uh, when you're once you're a follower of Jesus and if you're listening and you're not a follower of Jesus you know some of this is just going to sound like total nonsense but once you've entered into a world where you you believe that this Jesus is Lord this Jesus has given us uh, the writings that are inspired and instructive and that this Jesus is now inviting us to live a new and redeemed kind of human life. Um, and as part of that living life, you're living it together. And together you're processing what are the things that are helpful on the journey and what are the things that are not helpful on the journey. When you're in that sort of posture, one of the big questions you have is what do you do with all the things the Bible doesn't talk about? The Bible doesn't talk specifically about politics. I mean, it does, but it doesn't in our sense. Bible doesn't specifically talk about cigarettes. It doesn't talk about marijuana. It doesn't talk about, uh, at least definitively, in contrary to other people, alcohol. It, it, it seems to have some negative uh, admonitions and some positive admonitions. Um, it doesn't talk about TV. It doesn't talk about, you know. So, so how, when you are in these kind of gray, fuzzy areas, how do you practice discernment? Now, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how do we relate to this thing called the world? Now, pol politics is an example of how we relate to the world, but it's bigger than that. Because what you see in, uh, in kind of the American Christian, at least evangelical Christian subculture, are lots of different postures to the world. Some, all, all we do is we replicate anything the world does. So the world has you know, music, so we're going to make our music. If you like Metallica, you're going to like this band. Um, or, or if you like Demi Lovato, who I don't even know who that is. I don't, I don't know why that came into my head. You're going <laughs> to like, nice yeah, that, that took you out of the nineties. You, you just jumped 20. What, Did I? 30, yeah. You just okay. jumped like 20 oh, years Selena ahead. Gomez, you like <laughs> Justin Bieber. You're going to love. All I don't right, even know. Go. I don't even, okay. I don't even really this, but, um, uh, so there's this imitation thing we got going where, where we only can, uh, engage with things that are labeled Christian. And mm -hmm. non-Christian things are secular things. Mm -hmm. Other people just withdraw completely right into their own havens and subcultures. And still other people just seem to accommodate themselves so completely to the, the values and priorities of this present world that they cease being distinctively Jesus following. And so there's a lot of debate here. So I want to spend a little time, Andy, talking about all right, in the process of discerning that we're to do together, how should we relate to the world and, and what makes it hard is the word that we translate world is used three different ways. Ooh, okay. Okay? Now, the, the world is, is cosmos in, in Greek. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but it's where we get our English word. And it's used three different times. And so Jesus has this very famous statement. He says, um, he's praying about his disciples he, and he's praying to God. He says, I have given them, your disciples, your word, God, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. 
as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And so there's this in but not of the world, in the world but not of the world thing that Christians always talk about. But there's a huge disagreement over what exactly that means. And part of the disagreement is the fact that world is used in three different senses. So sense number one, the world just means the earth, the created order. Um, And so you have examples all over the place about the world of the whole earth is filled with his glory. I mean, that so it can just mean the created world. The created created physical world. Yes. The second, the second sense is the inhabited world or the inhabitants of the earth. It's the inhabited order. So it's, you could, it's like God so loved the world. It's not talking about trees there. It's talking about people. So the world can mean the physical creation or the world can mean the inhabitants of the physical creation, all of the people collectively together. Uh, and and in, in both of those senses, to be worldly is a good thing. Right? So to be worldly means we care about the earth uh, in the first sense. To be worldly means we care about human persons being made in God's image and to be respecters of their dignity and so on and so on and so on. So so when we talk about being worldly, this is an old Bible word. Worldliness is something, you know, that used to be railed against. Um, When we talk about being worldly, well, in these first two senses, that's a good thing. The third sense is the sense that Jesus in this passage we just looked at is referring to. And, And it means... The ordered human collective system that's antagonistic to God. It, it's 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 made up. If you take the Bible, if you take the Bible straight up, it's made up of 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 rebellious humans and rebellious angels, working kind of in this self-reinforcing cycle to create, uh, even unbeknownst to them, structures that further evil, structures that are oppressive, structures that are unjust, and so this is the sense that we most famously use the word world to delineate. And this is when you'll hear old-fashioned Bible folks say, don't be worldly. This is what they mean. And so so you have, so the world is the organized system of human civilization that is hostile to God and alienated from God. So Romans 12, Paul says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. James 1 Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. First John 2, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anything loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Uh, James 4, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity towards God? All right, so part of the confusion is, okay, what do we mean by world? Well, it doesn't mean the created order in this sense. It doesn't mean the people of the world um, in this sense. This third sense is talking about the, the, the collective, accumulative structures of human society that that operate apart from God, hostile to him, or at least alienated from him. Make sense? Now, this, this is where it gets so confusing. The world, in this sense, doesn't equal non-Christian culture. There's not a straight line between the world and non-Christian culture, but for many Christians, there is. So if it's non-Christian, it's bad automatically, simply in virtue of it being non-Christian. So what I want to beat up on is this idea that the labels we use, sacred, secular, Christian, non-Christian, the labels aren't helpful because I would argue there are many things that are labeled Christian that are false and many things that are labeled non-Christian that are true. And so, so this is where I'm driving. That whole 10 minutes, Andy, was to get to this point. Okay. It took 15. Well, that's because you kept interrupting. Now... (laughs) <laughs> now, 
so I, I want to talk uh, I want to talk about uh, the, the fact that the Bible makes it very clear that not all that is quote uh, sacred or excuse me not not all that is quote secular is bad okay and and some people have a massive problem with this and so um, you have so in the New Testament it's really really interesting well in the Old Testament first you have proverbs, uh, that talk about learning from animals, learning from creation, learning from the way of the prostitute, learning. They talk about wisdom, and wisdom has a very clear general revelatory sense. Like God reveals God's self through general revelation, and we can learn basic human wisdom from observing that. So you can you can learn things from looking at the ants. Oh, you sluggard, which is this great line. Uh, in the New Testament, though, you have in the writings that we call inspired quotes from all sorts of pagans, right? So you have Paul very famously uh, in Acts 17. Um, he's talking to a bunch of Greeks. When he's talking to Jews, he quotes the Jewish scriptures. When he's talking to Greeks, he doesn't mention the Jewish scriptures once. He, he, he quotes uh, Epimenides and Aratus, well, a Cretan philosopher and a Sicilian Stoic philosopher. And um, he, he, he says, God did this so that human beings would seek God and perhaps reach out for God and find God, though God is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. That's Epimenides. And as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Um, in, in the book of Titus, Paul quotes from Epimenides. One of Crete's own liars has said it. Has said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. Uh, hey, Jude. Hey Jude, chapter well, there's only chapter, one chapter. Uh, Lennon, John, uh, John Lennon, Lennon, uh, nine. Hey Jude, verse nine. Uh, Jude refers to um, uh, a writing called the Testament of Moses, and then uh, actually quotes from the Jewish book, the the first book of Enoch, which neither of these are like Bible uh, sorts of writings, and so. So you have, and, and there's no way that Paul would agree with Epimenides or Aratus. There's no way. Uh, Epimenides was writing in praise of uh, Zeus, if I'm not mistaken. And so, so what you have is evidently Paul was familiar enough with their writing that he quotes them whenever they're right. And, and I absolutely find that fascinating, that you have in our inspired scriptures, you have people who see true things that are outside of the sacred scriptures and they claim them because they're true and whatever is true and whatever is good and whatever is beautiful belongs to our god and so we claim it it's ours but we don't we don't tell kids this we don't tell them that you can actually learn things in biology and world history and sociology you 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 i mean i mean think about it can non-christians teach us uh about um, healthy marriages or good parenting or, or engineering, or uh, medicine, or astronomy. And, and there are some people that would say no. If they're not Jesus-loving you know, followers of, of his, then, and, and you just go, no, no I, I don't think the Bible says that. I don't think the Bible says that. I think what the Bible says is, listen, there is a world system, a set of priorities and values that, that are embodied in our world that the gospel and Jesus movement call into question. 
no question about it. So the the myth of redemptive violence that that more violence is going to solve violence. The 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 heady consumeristic individualism that saturates American culture. Jesus would call that into question. There are these there are these lifestyle things that Jesus would call into question. No question. But that doesn't mean that everything that's not Christian is false. Right. Would you say um because what I'm hearing in that is the mistake we make by just calling something right or wrong, we're categorizing it with basically leaving no room for consideration, understanding, or even any critique of if it, if if either can be beneficial. Because I don't what I don't what I don't see is parents teaching kids to understand discerning beneficial. Right. Oh, that's right. Oh, this is wrong. Right. But then understanding how to actually right look at this. How do you sift and sort through something that's mixed? Right. I mean, that's the question. So, so when, when we're watching Star Wars, you know, is that, is that, is that an all good movie? Is that an all bad movie? I mean, you're, you're wanting them, um, you're wanting them to engage a a level that's bigger than labels. You know, you don't want them, you don't, every song that's on the fish, which is this Christian radio station, isn't safe for the whole family, which is their slogan, right? And every song on K-Rock isn't untrue. So, so so the easier thing to do, and, and you, you see this in politics, is you just label. As soon as I know what to label you, then I can put you in a box and I don't have to deal with you. So I can label you liberal, I can label you conservative, I can label you Christian, non-Christian, Muslim, whatever, and, and I don't have to engage with you. So do I think, all, so is Islam false? Well, not all of it, right? There are some things that are true. I mean, Buddhism, man, when Buddhism locates one of the problems of human society in desire, that's true. Yeah. That's absolutely true. I disagree with the recipe to fix that, which is the elimination of desire. Yeah. I, I think desires should be harnessed and redirected, but you know, we, we could at least start there. Atheism is every bit of atheism uh, false? No, I think I think atheists offer um, incredible critiques of the harm of religion wrongly right. practiced, yeah. of religion wrongly understood. Of uh, oh my goodness, absolutely. And what I see Jesus doing, but particularly Paul as he's instructing his churches, is that there are some things that are clear. And, you know, murder. Okay, we're good. You know, adultery. Got it. But there's this big area of discernment we're invited into. And we're warned against worldliness, but worldliness does not mean you can still be formed and shaped by the world and listen to Christian music all the time, right? You can still be formed in shape. So it's, and, and you can be godly and be engaged deeply with non-Christian culture. So, so we're kind of dealing with two extreme views. One view is we withdraw and we just, if it's Christian, that good, we'll trust it. If it's non-Christian, we'll be suspicious of it. Um, And I'm not sure that's fully right, but then you've got wholesale cultural accommodation to the world, which is, you know, hey, um, we're not to judge. And, you know, if if Oprah says it, it must be true or, you know, whatever it is. And so so this practice of discernment is such a huge deal for followers of Jesus in the world. Mm-hmm. Are you with me so far? I'm, yep, I'm there. So we have three But are options. you all there? Out there? Are you out in there? In the world? Internet? The are world? Which sense? Which sense of the world do you mean right there? I'm talking about the physical, uh, geological world. I'm talking to the trees, the rocks, the mountains. They so, all proclaim his name. Yep. Some would say, Andy, that's that's the audience that most appreciates you. Now, the... Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> there. It seems like we got three options. 
when it when it comes to dealing with non-christian culture because not all of it's part of the world in the bad sense we got three options some we can receive some we can receive and um so medicine I receive medicine. Now, now, there's a whole group of people that are like, nope, the doctors are out to get us and the drug companies are out to get us. And I'm not, I'm not speaking into that. I don't know if that's right or wrong. But, I, but in general, I go to the doctor when I'm sick. I would trust the doctor to operate on me. I receive that as a good. I'm not, I'm not examining my heart surgeon's spiritual beliefs before I let them operate on me. Um, I'm sure those would be interesting. But uh, his technical knowledge is what I'm really interested in that moment. Um, uh, there, there are music and art and um, uh, architecture, um, uh, poetry. Not that I read a lot of poetry beyond Dr. Seuss, um, but, but like plays, movies. I mean, there are thing, many, many goods that are produced that you say either some or all of those things are true, good, and beautiful. And you claim them. As a follower of Jesus, you claim them. Um, the, the, the complexity of the universe. I mean, I claim that, I mean, as a reflection of, uh, it's created intention, you know, that sits behind it. So part of it, we receive, right? Ice cream. I receive it too much. Ooh, I'll take it. Some of it we reject, uh, outright. So, so porn, I don't, I had a, uh, a friend, uh, we've talked about this, who, who was able to engage with the culture that produces pornography. I'm not able to do that. Um, we don't have like meth, meth labs for Jesus. Uh, there are some things that, that unless you're breaking bad fan, yeah. <laughs> um, there are some things that, that, that are beyond the scope of our ability to, to redeem. And so they just have to be rejected outright. You know, one of the things I think is the consumeristic mindset has to be rejected outright. Um, or Western individualism has to be rejected outright to, that, to follow Jesus. And in that case, too, we, we, the way you're saying this, too, is still an objective point of view. We're not talking about the person. It's saying, right. well, let's reject that whole culture no, of that. No, what we're good saying Lord, is the no. practice of the, of the subjective item itself. We That's have to kind point. of put it yes. to the side. Yes. And this is where people. So, so you take the LGBTQ conversation. You make a judgment about someone who's transgendered. And instead of saying, I don't. I don't know that that's the healthiest way to live or however you would say it. You say, you know, something that's bullying, something that's insulting, something that's condemning about the person. At that point, you're engaging in the kind of judgment that Jesus outlaws because that kind of judgment chokes the kind of love we're to show people. An indiscriminate love, as Jesus says, that that is like the rain. It falls on the good and the bad, the righteous and the unrighteous, but we're not in the position to make the judgments of who's who. So we're talking about... Within the subcategory of discernment as followers of Jesus, how and we're within the subcategory of things that aren't specifically addressed uh, by the scriptures. Well, how do we figure these things out and walk well and engage in culture? My argument is we can't accommodate fully to it, or we lose Jesus and our distinctiveness altogether. Yeah, but we can't separate either. We have to engage in this discerning process. Well, how do you do that? That's what we're talking about. There's so so. There's some parts you receive of culture there's some parts you reject right i think there are certain worldview uh assumptions built into um the way we understand uh our our consumer advocacy or our individual rights and liberties that i think are that 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 have to be rejected if you're if you're going to follow jesus i just do when jesus says deny yourself that's antithetical to insist i get every right um as an example 
I think there's some things you have to reject. Um, but, and this is the really fun part, there's some things you redeem. There are some things that are, are clearly good aspects of creation that have been perverted. So sex is number one, right? So, so I may reject porn, but the invitation is to redeem sexuality. And you can redeem sexuality as a single person, as a married person, as a, an unhappy single person, as an unhappy married person. You, sexuality is something that is to be redeemed, right? Um, so there are examples like anger, I think, is something that is to be redeemed. I don't think Jesus, is, Jesus was angry. It's possible to be angry uh, and not sin. Um, and so I do think there are things out there that we're to redeem. And so what we can't, what we can't say is, hey, we're just going to abandon into a Christian subculture and label things Christian, deem them safe. No, the invitation is to create something better. That's what Jesus's kingdom is. It's the creation of something better under the nose of Caesar. So, so when we just abandon Hollywood or we just say, hey, we're just going to make Christian movies that are awful. Dad, we're oh, so, we're not, so much to be desired. We're not in none of those instances are we redeeming film or redeeming media. Can I make a, a comment about that? Yes. So as long as it doesn't involve trees, no, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. And and, and this is you know like I've I've come to take a, an opinion that I think something in its artistic creation form simply cannot be Christian or non Christian. Like it's a Christian right, it's not an doing, adjective. yeah, it's not an adjective. I mean, a right. Christian doing the work doesn't mean now, oh, this is a Christian movie. Yeah. What's a Christian it, song? Yeah. What's a Christian song? Oh, this is a Christian business. It's right. like what we're saying is that, right. you know, there's an agenda behind what there's trying to accomplish, but in it of itself, we can't say, oh, it's a Christian film. It's right. a cultural film yeah. that had, that's a reflection of an independent person's point of view no, I with think an agenda. Really, I think that's good because I, somebody, I don't remember who said it, but the, the real tragedy in the so-called culture war happened when we, we began to use Christian as an adjective yeah, and not as a noun. And mm -hmm. so to, to try to recapture that, I think, means we have to sift and we have to sort. There are things to be rejected, things to be received, things to be redeemed. And things to know with that is that there's actually Christians behind some of the best films ever made. That's and it, you know what I mean? Like they George Lucas. <laughs> there you go. I mean, but like even like recently, like Dropbox. Did you see that movie? The what? Uh, Dropbox. It's the movie about um, in oh yeah, Korea. In, yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't see it. Yeah, incredible. Christians made the movie, but it's like what they're talking about is this incredible act right. of kindness and grace of right. a real thing that you know it's bringing light to the reality of something. And I think more, at least in my own life. That's kind of what Jesus has done to me is help bring a dynamic, larger scale of reality. So, to, so my favorite Christian movies are Gladiator, The Matrix, the original Star Wars, and Braveheart. There you go. So I like those. I like those movies. Yeah, and then if you didn't know that those are Christian movies, now you know. Yep, that's a that's a well kept secret. Absolutely. So, so we redeem, we reject. Is this making sense? This is making sense to me. Okay. I mean, I hate Maybe. to agree. I hate to agree with you, but oh boy. Yeah. So 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 you you look at alcohol as an example, or cigarettes, or va vapor, vape, vape, vape. Yeah. What is is that? Is that like smoking? Yes. I don't know. It is a it's it's an electronic way to smoke now that doesn't involve uh, tobacco leaf. Is it still nicotine? Um. There is amounts of nicotine in it to my understanding it's basically liquidized and then it's it's mechanically vaporized as you inhale it so it then gives the experience of smoking nice i've always vape I've always, bro 
That's it. Get out and vape. There's vape competitions, actually, about like blowing smoke. Of course there are. By the hipsters. Kids these days. Oh no 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 no! I'm, we're not gonna we're not gonna point that to hipsters. That's... Oh, I'm I'm judging right now. <laughs> I am inappropriately judging and condemning the hipsters now. When you get to something like alcohol, and there's a lot of okay, do we receive it? Do we reject it? Do we redeem it? Right? I've I've been on the side of people that say no no, it's to be rejected. Look at the damage it has done. Uh, how many millions and millions of families have been torn apart by alcoholism? How much abuse comes? How much violence comes? How much uh, damage we do to each other when, when we've had too much? Just no. I've also had folks that are just like, ah, the Bible, you know, kind of gives us permission, so no worries. But there's this there's this other, how do you redeem the use of alcohol? And so, so, so my fundamental convic- conviction is, that the scriptures are ambivalent. And what I I mean by that is, on the one hand, they warn against its misuse, but on the other hand, they recommend its use in some cases. And so what we try, so I drink Coors Light in front of my children. And I do that because I want them to see the right use of alcohol. I don't want to see see its abuse, and I don't want them to see its disuse, because they're now entering into stages where, like, it's it's alcohol and a whole bunch of other stuff that they're going to be tempted with. Well, I want them to see, particularly Coors Light is the king of beers. I mean, we all know this. I want them to see the right use. No, it's the silver bullet. Budweiser's the king of beers. I mean, I don't care for either of those, but. Just... Are you a beer snob? Because that's part of being a hipster. That's, part, that's right. That's part of being a hipster. <laughs> so, so, um, so with alcohol, um, taking that as an example, there are three questions I ask when you take something that sort of controversial. All right. So we've talked about reject, redeem, receive. We've made this like long argument. I hope, I hope, I hope it's followable. Um, but when you get to the redeem part, not everything that's redeemable, I personally am capable of redeeming. There are three questions I ask to see if I'm capable of redeeming this thing. So I had friends that could go to porn conventions and hand out Bibles and t-shirts and love people. They were able to go and bring redemption to that. I'm not able to. So the first question is, where am I weak and where am I strong? So so for me, I can have a one Coors Light and I am not tempted in any way, shape or form to get drunk. I'm not tempted by drugs. I'm not tempted by marijuana. I'm not, I'm not tempted by anything beyond Ben and Jerry's and Cold Stone ice cream, that right there. But, um, I'm not, I'm strong there. I can handle that. Now I have friends who have alcoholism in their family or they've struggled with it themselves. They're weak there. So to go, so I'm at this, I'm at this wedding for one of my police officers and they ask me because this is what they do. Evidently, they take a fireball whiskey shot. I don't even know what that is. Sounds like a boiler maker it with looks, fireball. It looks like heated apple cider. And so, so they're all, you know, these are all friends and guys who know what I do and know what I'm about. And so I, I do this and I'm not tempted in any way, shape or form by this. It, it tasted horrible. Um, I had to go drink water afterwards. You know, it was just, it was just whatever. I, but there are other people that could never go into that situation and have it touch their lips. They're weak there. I'm strong there. Mm-hmm. And can I speak to maybe in that moment, the communal benefit of participation? I'll get to that. Okay, great. I'll get to that, Andy. 
where I'm weak is when it comes to visual um, uh, temptation, I guess would be the word. Like there's some movies that I just shouldn't watch because lust is an issue for me. And by lust, I mean the intentional cultivation of images that aren't godly or wholesome or whatever. And so there are movies that my wife can watch because she does not have the lust problem. <laughs> um, that she can watch and they're just fine. Uh, I cannot watch those. Or my friends, I, like so, for some reason, like I cannot watch demon movies. Um, I've had too many weird experiences with demons, whether they were real demons or not. I've just I've seen too much, and I cannot be around that stuff. I cannot watch that stuff. It freaks me out. Um, and, and so, so I think there is a sense in which our discernments are going to be different in some things. Some some people can go into bar culture and club culture and and bring. Uh, redemption there. Um, other people cannot do that. Some some can smoke cigars and not be mastered by it. Some can drink alcohol and not be mastered by it. Some can, some can, um, you know, engage in some of these things uh, from a position of their own strength and not personal weakness. So one question I'm always asking is, hey, am I strong here? Or am I weak here? There are certain things as I'm discerning that I have a crew of people who remind me, no, no, this is remember, this is weak here. Like, so I'm never going to be a celebrity chef. I mean, I'm just never, never going to be that. I'll live your dreams. You never know. Uh, secondly, the second question is, um, does this potentially harm others or the reputation of Jesus? As a follower of Jesus, my preeminent concern is to be his reputational. That's just not true uh, among us in the church. Um, we're we're more in the, interested in our individual rights, liberties, expressions, uh, and it doesn't matter uh, how it makes Jesus look. We just don't care about his reputation in that way. And and we're also called very clearly in the New Testament to, to um, as an act of love, restrict our freedom um, for the sake of, of the benefit of other people. So there are instances where I'm perfectly at liberty to have alcohol, but I choose not to uh, out of protection for somebody that, for whom that's an issue. Um, uh, I, I may be perfectly free to go play some slot machines, right? Uh, and, but there are other people for whom that would cause them to stumble or even to see a Christian kind of at a place. Now this can go too far and you have crazy people that say, well, you know, for that argument, you should never drink or you should never, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I operate out of the strength and weakness of myself, but also the people that are around me. And how does this look? How does this, does this, does this reflect, does this manifest the beauty of Jesus? That's the question for me. Does it harm Jesus? Does it not harm Jesus? Does it harm his reputation? Does it harm others? And then, and then my third big question is, does it manifest the beauty of Jesus? And one of the things that I find so beautiful about Jesus is his willingness to engage folks that the religious people considered sinners. And he did it on their turf in their terms using culturally appropriate expressions of like kinship and acceptance. So I felt that it would have been wrong to refuse to have a shot in honor of the guy I married who accepted Jesus last year and became, you know, got baptized at Easter. And I felt like, like I would actually hinder. Now, some people are going to disagree and find that so lame. And you can use this line of thinking to justify almost anything, you know, and there are abuses on all sides. But my point my point is, is, is we talk about how Jesus followers relate to the world. What do we mean by world? We don't mean it's people. 
We don't mean the world itself. We mean that part of human civilization that's antagonistic and alienated. Great. We're called to discern in the community of believers. We're not, we're not the policemen and the morality cops of the world. Um, we're not to judge the world in the inappropriate way, but in the community we discern. Well, how do we help each other discern? Well, there's some parts to be redeemed, some parts to be rejected, some parts to be received. Because non-Christian culture or non-unchristian culture, I mean, whatever world, whatever word you want to use there, secular culture, that, that doesn't all equal bad. It just doesn't. And so we, re, we, we do this process of kind of distinguishing the sifting and the sorting. And we do it around uh, issues that aren't specifically mentioned. And so the questions that guide me in those topics are, okay, is it going to harm the reputation of Jesus or someone else? Is it, is it, an, can I engage in this and it be an area of where I'm strong versus when I'm weak? And then does it manifest the beauty of Jesus? And that's where your point, Andy, of, man, there are times, like, like my next door neighbor, um, it would be, it, it would, it would kind of interrupt the relationship when I go over to his house and he says, Hey, you want a beer? And I say, you know what? I don't drink. Thank you. Like, I, I know you can say, well, of course you can still be great and not drink and stuff, but I, I almost feel like obligated in some way, um, to have a beer with him. Um, because that is one of the ways he shows acceptance, friendship, whatever. And even if it's not Coors Light, Andy, I do it. Yeah. I, I will drink crappy beer like what's the stuff you like oh yeah ipas of course of course dude Hipster. i like i like all of it Good Lord. i can tell you some of the best pilsners out there oh boy okay the the worst so there's this there's this place in fullerton oh what's it called it's outside it's uh the the little microbrewery oh bootleggers yes so good so so knuckle sandwich Okay. Tropic Thunder. Okay. I can go so, down the list. So my cops are on shift change. I've been there three months and they invite me to go out afterwards to go have a drink. Well, dude, I'm going, right? I'm chaplain. I mean, this was I this is like this is how they you know you've been accepted. And I walk up to the to the lady and I say, Hey, do you have anything that tastes like Coors Light? And I can't on this podcast that's family friendly, I cannot repeat what she said. But it, involved, but it involved what horses do to alleviate their bladders. And um, and so I won't make that mistake again. You know, because I, I realize Coors Light. I, I just need to give you a little educational course and we'll, you'll find what you like. Right. I said, okay. Because then, she, cause then she, once I laughed at what she said, she said, I have water. If you want some water, that's close. <laughs> and I realized there's a snobbery out there that we're going to talk about, Andy. All right. Oh, the fine line between passion and snobbery. Okay. So, Andy, we're done. You uh, you mostly stayed awake. If you are somebody who wants to find out more about where this truck is headed, go on to www.voxoc.com. Uh, and uh, www is Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Worldwide Wrestling That'd Federation. That would be WWF. And we're talking about the World Wide Web. Yep. And world in this sense is good. Yes. Um, not in the bad sense. Um, the second thing is uh, keep up with us on Twitter and Facebook and and wherever else. And and then the last thing is just thank you. As always, we're so honored to be part of your life. And I hope this was helpful. I'm going to look. We're going to turn this off and say, Andy, did that make sense? 
And he's going to say yes because he doesn't disagree well. But even if he said no, we're not going to record it again. So, well, the, and I love I love this episode and this discussion because what what we're saying is is like how do we continue to encourage other church folks how to have discussions and relate with the world? Mm. Simply speaking, and and we I think over time we continue to step into this and just start to have better discussion about Jesus. And I think some that's not easy. Some of this podcast you should receive. Mm-hmm. Some of this you should reject. And some of it you should redeem, podcast listener. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Thank you. And until next time, Mike Erie signing off in his boxer shorts. Amen. Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Erie podcast. Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Erie. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope, at Mike Geary, for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit SubversiveKingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike.